0: hub and spoke audio collective
1: This is Jessica Taylor and I am the advertising manager at Out There Podcast and I'm actually in the middle of the Grand Canyon right now and I'm out at Plateau Point so I'm right above the Colorado River and I've opened up my Peak Visor app
2: Peak Visor is our presenting sponsor this season Their app helps you figure out what you're looking at when you're out on adventures. Let's say you're in a national park and you see a mountain in the distance and you want to know what it is. Peak Visor will tell you. It'll show you the name of the summit, how tall it is, how far away it is, plus loads more info.
1: It's really cool to be able to see every single point and every single um, elevation of the entire canyon all the way around me.
2: If you'd like your own personal mountain guide, check out Peak Visor in the App Store. You just might love it. Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Our theme this season is Secrets of the Earth. Each episode, we're harnessing the power of nature to better understand our own humanity. As we head into summer, many of us are thinking about swimming. Whether it's a trip to the beach or a lazy day at a lake or just taking your kids to the local splash park, being in the water can be deeply relaxing. It's a great way to escape the daily grind and release pent up stress. Of course, for most of us, these activities come to an end when the weather gets cold. But what if you could go swimming year-round, outdoors, in a frozen sea? Today, we're headed to Finland, where something called ice swimming is common. And we're going to explore what can happen when we try to soothe the brain by shocking the body. Landry Ayers has the story. And just so you know, This episode discusses depression and addiction.
3: I'm standing on the shore of the Baltic archipelago in southern Finland about seven kilometers from downtown Helsinki. It's 20 degrees Fahrenheit, and while the sun is in one of its rare shining moods, the air is frigid. So much so that the entire sea before me is frozen solid. Everything, that is, but a small patch at the end of a dock that a new friend of mine is descending into. How does it feel?
1: It's like I'm being swaddled in a vice grip. <laughs> I had this friend, I don't know if I told you this part, who said that at about two minutes you could start to get this weird euphoric feeling like I could just stay here forever.
3: <laughs> I mean, when you got in I was expecting at least some sort of immediate, maybe unconscious reaction, but it looks if you didn't know how cold it was, like you just jumped into any old swimming pool.
1: I'm Elizabeth Whitney and my official title in the world is I'm an associate professor in the City University of New York. And I'm also a visiting researcher at the University of Helsinki. I first came to Finland as a Fulbright Scholar in 2015. It was a happy accident. It was the opposite world of New York, which was exactly what I needed. It was just quiet and beautiful, and I just, I fell in love.
3: After her Fulbright program ended, Elizabeth moved back and forth between Finland and the U.S. several times but she kept feeling this visceral pull back to the Nordics. Eventually, she settled back down in Helsinki in 2021. But this time, it wasn't the magical place she remembered. This was the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Finland is already a society where it takes a lot of work to earn people's trust. You don't just become best friends with people quickly there. And now, everyone was in COVID isolation. So, it was lonely. And then, one day, she received some really horrible news.
1: It was probably, I don't know, 7 or 8 in the morning here. And, yeah, I was alone in my apartment. And in one of those Horrible movie moments where you wake up and there are a whole list of messages on your phone on all of the various social media platforms that we communicate on. And, you know, I'm reading like in chronological order that my brother is in the hospital. They don't think he's going to last another hour. There's this garbled Google Translate voice message from my mom And the first person I called was my youngest brother, and he told me that uh, Bill had died an hour ago. I have two siblings, so so I'm the oldest, Bill was the middle child, Ed is the youngest, and we were all very close as adults. Our nickname for each other was Meow from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. That was our nickname for each other. And we talked in Meow, Meow. We sang in Meow, Meow. And, you know, we were just incredibly silly. We, we all have a shared sense of, of silly humor. Bill was maybe the silliest, though. I mean, he was he was really, really, really funny.
3: Bill had died of liver failure. It was the result of years of heavy drinking. His death wasn't all that surprising, but it did happen suddenly, which of course didn't make it any easier for Elizabeth. In those first few days after she got the news, she kept trying to focus on the happy memories she had of her brother.
1: It's so easy to get caught up in the last few years when his drinking was unmanageable and he was unrecognizable and it was frequently you just couldn't tell who you were having a conversation with, which is just an agonizing part of loving an addict, as, as many people know who have loved addicts. So it's like this back and forth between remembering, you know, how what a beautiful Kind, loving, queer, feminist cat, weirdo artist he was, and what a like a precious person he was. And then my anger at his inability to get his shit together.
3: The next few weeks were a blur. Elizabeth had to deal with all of the mundane but exhausting tasks that come after something like this. Buying plane tickets to go back home to see her family, arranging for long-term cat sitters, then going to Bill's house and sifting through his belongings. And then, three months later, she went back to Finland and tried to go on with life. But that was really hard. I moved from the States to Finland not long before Elizabeth returned. And one of the first things you realize upon settling down here is that Finland is a nation of extremes. The summers are wonderful, but during the winter, the sun barely comes above the horizon and it's almost always cloudy. It's so dark that over the course of a whole month, you only get a few hours of sunlight. It's harsh, and one of the most common reasons newcomers have a hard time adapting to life here. So returning to Finland in the middle of one of the most bleak times of year was already going to be tough. But when you're still in COVID isolation and your brother has died, that's another level of pain. A kind of pain where the grief overshadows everything else. Where it seems like there's no possibility for relief.
1: I just was desperate. I needed to do something. I was numb. Like, if that makes sense, I was so physically numb, I just wanted something shocking. I just wanted to shock myself into a different place. And I just decided... I'm going to start ice swimming.
3: Ice swimming has been a popular pastime in the Nordics for centuries. Lots of people do it. And it's not just for rugged, tough, survivalist types. There's actually kind of a stereotype that it's a hobby for older women. Imagine grannies puttering out onto a dock with flowery swim caps and neoprene socks on, then jumping into a frozen lake. When COVID-19 started, there was a big uptick in younger people picking it up, too. So, Elizabeth decided to try it.
1: And so it did feel a bit like, you know... Cheryl Strayed in Wild, where she's like, I'm just putting this backpack on and start walking. And so I, I just was like, I'm just going out there. And I had like the cheapest, flimsiest shoes and gloves and I had no idea what I was doing.
3: Elizabeth went to an avanto, which is what Finns call a hole in the ice where they swim, or rather dip. There are tons of them scattered across Finland, small and large, well-maintained and not. And they really are just holes in the ice.
1: So it's almost like you're at a Finnish muki which is the summer cottage where there's a sauna, and then you walk down to the water to swim. And then you walk out of the cabin and down these wooden steps, and you have to walk across this often very icy, gravelly path, and then you walk down a pretty long dock, and there are steps that go down into the water, and then you sort of push off from the steps and swim. The first time I went in, I managed to stay for 12 seconds. When you go in the water, your muscles seize up, you are in a survival mode, like a really basic survival mode, and you panic.
3: One of the things experienced cold swimmers will tell you is that the most important thing to do when you first start to panic like this is to control your breath. You shouldn't think about the pain or numbness or how badly you want to get out. You should just try to steadily breathe in and out. That focus on the most basic of human needs, to breathe, helps distract you from everything else and prevents you from being overwhelmed and hyperventilating. So that's all Elizabeth tried to do, just breathe.
1: When I came out, I felt like I was on fire. It was like someone had plugged me into an electric socket. All your nerve endings just kind of fizz out for a minute, and you can't feel anything. You actually feel warm, like almost hot. Like you feel this burning sensation all over your whole body. And it was just, it was in a high. It was this incredible high, and I just stood on the dock like, this is drugs and then of course you're chasing that high if you will for the rest of the time that you're swimming like every time you do it you're like how's it gonna feel that good again is it gonna feel that good and of course it's never as good as the first time but it always does feel like you always do get just like that burning endorphin rush that's that's the part that that keeps you going back
0: People refer to this practice as, as, a, as an addiction and uh, themselves as having become addicted to this cold exposure.
3: This is Dr. Antti Linfors, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Helsinki and co-author of Avanton, a winter swimming handbook. He says Elizabeth's reaction is common. A lot of cold swimmers compare their hobby to an addiction— It happens because when you're in a stressful situation, like cold swimming, your body releases a bunch of chemicals in order to level you out. It's immediate, it's intense, and it actually feels really good. I think
0: it has to do with neurochemicals and hormones that cold exposure releases, noradrenaline and adrenaline endorphins, which are these basically body's own morphine painkiller. And also dopamine and serotonin, these neurotransmitters.
3: It's kind of ironic, right? Elizabeth's brother has just died from complications of substance abuse, and now she's describing her one relief as addicting. If you didn't know the high came from swimming, it would sound a little self-destructive. But actually... Linfor says this kind of natural high can be pretty good for you.
0: If you're highly stressed, it helps you release those stress hormones and balances you back. But if you're like fatigued, you have low levels of stress hormones, it helps you to pump them up. So it has a balancing effect. And all of these have an effect on energy levels, focus. uh, Through that, it's being considered potential treatment for depression, for instance.
3: Elizabeth was hooked right away, so she kept with the cold swimming. Chasing the high of that first time, she returned to the Avanto every day for a month straight, strengthening her diaphragm and practicing the proper breathing technique. She bought better neoprene socks and gloves and got keys to a changing room so she didn't have to change out on the windswept dock. She was slowly becoming strong enough to stay in the water for longer periods, for 15 seconds, 30, then a minute, then two. The lack of feeling in her fingers and toes lasting longer and longer.
1: It took me a couple of weeks before I could think about something other than surviving. And then maybe like a week after that, where I was like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. This is incredible. I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. You know, of course, I've been swimming in Finnish lakes and ponds and and in, in the Baltic in the summer and had that experience where I felt the stillness of it, but I'd never felt it in the winter. You know, Finnish winter is so beautiful. Even when there's when the sun isn't out, there's so many shades of of darkness that mix with the lightness that you can see. Gray and blue and silvers, and then there's birds circling overhead and sometimes there's birds in the water with you, swimming and flying above and making beautiful bird noises and Immediately in front of you, you see the water, like the Baltic water, which is this sort of greenish-gray color. But then there's this just vast expanse of white. So it feels like you're looking across a tundra.
3: Elizabeth remembers one day in particular when everything seemed to solidify when she realized the avanto could give her more than just a high
1: i was alone in the avanto and it was so quiet it, it almost took my breath away because it was so calming it was like the stillness that i felt inside of me matched the stillness that was around me in the nature. It was just this incredibly grounding experience. I felt like I was just part of that avanto, like I had found this incredible sense of peace right there in the middle of that ice hole.
3: It might sound counterintuitive that being in freezing cold water in January would bring you a sense of peace, but for Elizabeth, it did. She went back to the changing room on the shore and sat on the bench warming up and knew something was different. The pain wasn't gone. Her grief from Bill's passing was still there and her fingers were still numb from the icy water but it was no longer all-consuming. She felt a newfound serenity. And she realized the two could coexist. That grief didn't have to be gone for her to feel peace. It's been over a year since Elizabeth lost her brother Bill. There's been another winter, another season of relearning what cold swimming can do, another year of coming to grips with loss. She still misses Bill, still gets angry at him for the pain he caused, still feels sorry for the pain he lived with. But she's no longer numb to those feelings, and instead is finding ways to purposefully explore them. She's been writing a lot, working on a book about the experience. What do you think Bill would say if you were able to call him up and be like, I just went ice swimming today and told him about what was like?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would say, Meow, that's crazy meow. That's crazy meow. Send me a video. <laughs> um I don't think you would want to do it. <laughs> I don't think you would be interested in ice swimming. I tried to convince Ed, my other brother, to come ice swimming. I don't think he wants to do it either. <laughs> Which I respect. I respect. Um but yeah, I think I think I think I think that Bill would 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 be like that's wild. And what an what an amazing way to commune with nature.
3: Mm. Elizabeth's grief had been like a sheet of ice, hard and solid. But there was an immense amount of joy underneath it. A love for Bill and all their time together that she'd swam in since they were just a couple of silly kids. The avant, though, was more than just a literal hole in the ice. It was a gateway through her anguish. A door that let her enter those happy memories. It led to a small pool of joy amidst the vast tundra of grief.
2: That was Landry Ayers. Landry is a creator living in Helsinki, Finland. You can find more from them on their YouTube channel, Finlandria, and on their podcast, You Only Guide Me By Surprise. Coming up next time on Out There, when was the last time you went outdoors and just sat there? It wasn't long before my brain started circling.
3: Had I forgotten anything? Had I put all my stuff away? Was the car locked? Did it even need to be? Oh, this sitting still
2: doing nothing, it felt so weird. Tune in on June 29th for a story about letting go and uncovering surprising personal truths. <music> you're enjoying out there, one thing you can do to help us out is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. I know I say this a lot, but when we get positive reviews from people like you, it makes it so much easier for new listeners to find us. And reaching new listeners is so important for independent podcasts. there is a proud member of Hub and Spoke, a collective of idea-driven independent podcasts. One of the other Hub and Spoke shows that I particularly like is called Subtitle. It's a podcast about languages and the people who speak them. I personally have always loved words. And in fact, my whole family has a somewhat ridiculous fascination with grammar. It's pretty common when we get together at holidays for us to have heated debates about obscure grammar questions. Like, this is normal dinner table conversation for us. If you're anything like me and you think words are fascinating, check out Subtitle. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts or at subtitlepod.com. Support for out there comes from Peakvisor. Peakvisor is an app that helps you make the most of your time in the mountains. They have intricate three d maps to help you plan out hikes. Once you're in the mountains, you can use the app to figure out what peaks you're looking at off in the distance. And if you need a little help staying motivated, they also have a peak bagging feature. Peakvisor has been a loyal supporter of out there for years, and I am so grateful for their continuing sponsorship. If you'd like your own personal mountain guide, check out Peak Visor in the App Store. You just might love it. Today's story was reported and written by Landry Ayers. Story editing and sound design by me, Willow Belden. Out There's advertising manager is Jessica Haig. Our audience growth director is Sheba Joseph. Our ambassadors are Tiffany Duong, Ashley White, and Stacia Bennett. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. Special thanks to all of our listeners who are supporting Out There with financial contributions, including Eric Biederman, Phil Tim, Doug Frick, Tara Jocelyn, Deb and Vince Garcia, and the family of Mike Lutters. If you'd like to get in on the fun and support Out There financially, just go to patreon.com slash outtherepodcast or click the link in the episode description. We'll see you in two weeks. And in the meantime, have a beautiful day. Be bold. Go outside and find your dreams.